podcast. We are joined by one of our favorite guests, a recurring guest from 98.5 The Sports Hub. It is Alex Barth coming on to talk about the Colts matchup, of course, and it's fantasy playoffs. So we have Jeff Greenwood on for our five-minute fantasy segment. It's a heck of a show, so buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's good. Intercepted. Thanks so much for coming through, man. We love having you on, and uh, we, now we know we are firmly entrenched in the fact that you are at 985 uh, <laughs> and and working there and doing a great job. We love having you on, and uh, and thank you so much for coming through, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, look, this isn't the only time that's happened. It's been two years now, and I still get – maybe it's because <laughs> I do the podcast with Lazar or whatever. I still get tagged at, at, at CLNS, but no, I'm at uh, fully entrenched at 98.5, yes. Love it. It's been a while. I've been seeing you – an awful lot. Uh, me and me and Barth, and then our our drive back from New York, we stayed on the phone for like four hours just to stay awake. So it's good to see his face on the screen, not not over not over phone. So that I can confirm that did happen because I I went the wrong way. I'm an idiot. It took me an hour and, and a half. Still, to get you still you still home City. at the same time as me. I went through like Albany and miserable. I didn't stop. Garth, I didn't Garth stop. Road rage, I didn't stop though. to eat. I just put that head down. Put the head down and go. Yep. Big J. Uh, talk Big about Jay's putting their head man. down. Yeah. <laughs> um, talking about putting their head forward and going. Uh, Patriots big matchup this week. Uh, I guess initial thoughts, Barth. I think. Um, I don't know. You guys can agree, disagree. I, this feels like, and I, I don't want to say the style of play because I think they're a lot different. But it reminds me. This team reminds me a little bit like the Ravens of old, right? Like a team with kind of a scrappy record, kind of fighting within 500, but it's a team that can really beat anybody. They're good up front. Their quarterback's okay, can can beat you in some spurts. They got a good power running game, backs that can kind of hurt you in multiple ways. Um, you know, it's not like Harbaugh and Flacco coming into Foxborough, but like it's similar vibe type of game, right? Like you look at the Colts, that's not a seven to six team. They've won right. four out of five, six of eight. Good team. I think this is a true test. Fully healthy team they're facing too. Yeah, I you know, it's funny. I think the Patriots and Colts are in some ways mirror images of each other, and in some ways they're complete opposites. So I think the way the two teams are constructed, they've embraced this new mindset in the NFL that you don't need an elite quarterback to win, right? If you go and get a net neutral quarterback and then invest those draft picks, that money instead in defense and the offensive line and a strong running game, you can contend that way, whether it's the Patriots, the Colts, the Niners, the Ravens, um, the Titans, right? So they're both built similarly in that sense. They're both teams that play the game very technically sound. Like, I don't know that either of these teams necessarily has the elite star power on their roster. What I mean by that is, you know, they don't have as many household names as maybe a team like the Buffalo Bills, mm -hmm. but 
that old Belichick adage, it's not about collecting talent. It's about building a team. The Patriots, this year's Patriots team, I think really is uh, the, the true embodiment of that. I think the Colts are very similar versus a team like the Bills. It's just a bunch of talent thrown together. They don't play well situationally. They're not coached well, et cetera. Um, but so on the surface, they're very similar in that sense. How they go about their business on a play-to-play basis is very different. On the offense, the Patriots are hat on a hat. Colts run more of a zone scheme offensively. Defensively, the Patriots are more about size and strength. Uh, the Colts, meanwhile, they're a smaller, quicker defense. But it's that same general idea. And that's why I think, you know, it's a no-brainer. I can come on here and say turnovers are important. That's true any week in the NFL. In any football game, turnovers are important. But it's somehow magnified in this game. Because both of these teams are where they are because they control the football on offense and they take the football away on defense. So when you, it's funny when you have two teams that are mirrors of each other, you look at what do they each do well. Turnovers are a big part of that. So that turnover part, that point that's emphasized every week, I think gets taken to another level this week. Yeah, and I want to ask you about that because O'Karake said this week, like we're going to put the game in, in Max hands and, and see what he can do, which I don't really know if that's, you know, what they want to do. Because when I look at the Colts defense, I think great front seven and a bunch of kind of old guys on the back end that, you know, aren't the players that they once were. Like they've got Andrew Sandeo playing like 50% of the stuff. Right. That guy stinks. So, you know, if they've, if they've got Mac throwing you the ball, how do you think the Patriots are going to try to attack them? So He's I would terrible. say – He's the worst. <laughs> I, I would say uh, Andrew Sandeo or Daniel Sorensen. Who who you got? You have to have one. Oh, Sandeo's much worse. I have a personal vendetta, but he's <laughs> maybe the worst safety of all time. He's just so yeah. bad. There's some guy in the chat on me and Lazar show who once a week says the Patriots should trade Kyle Duggar for Daniel Sorensen because Daniel Sorensen's <laughs> the third best safety in the league. Real brilliant football minds in the YouTube comments. Anyway, oh um, I back to your original question. So I actually didn't. Like, maybe those comments were meant to, like, call out Mac or diminish Mac. I didn't take them that way. I saw it as more of, a you know, more telling about the Colts defense than about Mac. Because what does the Colts defense do well? Stops the run. They got a great front. So that, to me, was we're going to play our game, right? It's really easy, right? If you're talking about a game plan, if an offensive strength is a defensive weakness, if you have a team that can throw the ball against a team that can't stop the pass, well, no duh. We know what the offense is going to do, right? Or like last week with the Bills, right? Patriots' strength is the run. The Bills' weakness defensively is the pass. We all knew what they, we didn't think to that extent, but we all knew what they were going to do. We there's that luxury doesn't exist this week, right? It's well, the Patriots are best at running the ball. Nothing against Mac, but I think you know objectively the Patriots are a better running team than passing team right now. Patriots are better at running the ball. Colts are better up front. Well, so. You know, which side's going to break? Do you want to force your opponent to play to their weakness, even though that means playing to your own? Or do you just continue to play to your strength, even though that's your opponent's strength? And there's no obvious answer to that question. It varies on a game-to-game, potentially even play-to-play basis. But I took what Bobby Okariki said is, we're going to play our game. And our game means Mac Jones has to beat us. So, look, maybe I'm just no fun because it's obviously a ton more entertaining, right? If he's calling out the Patriots rookie quarterback and I'll play into that. Like we can have fun with that, certainly. But from an X and O's point of view, I view that comment as, you know, this is what the Colts are going to play their game. They're going to play their defense. They're not going to change things based on what the Patriots do well and don't do well. And that means it's probably on Mac to win the game. And I'd call that a, a somewhat correct assessment of 
how the game in theory should play out. Well, and that's that's what they should do, right? I mean, that's I, I feel like you know when you look at it, the defenses should be playing You're coming off a game where they ran forty five times, like <laughs> right, <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. Right, and that's and you would think that the Patriots and Colts will play similarly on defense, where it's stop the run, make the quarterback beat us, right? And, and can right. Carson Wentz beat us, right? And, and I think that that's the question. Now, he's played well this year, right? He's got 22 touchdowns and only five interceptions. He's got some really bad, like some like historically bad interceptions. Uh, so, one of them, you know, and, and go ahead. I was just going to say, um, the Colts have lost every game in which Carson Wentz has turned the ball over. Yeah. So not all, like, they don't, it could be somebody else turning it over, they can win. But if Carson Wentz turns the ball over, the Colts have lost every game this year in that situation. Something to keep in mind. Yeah, and that's, and that's, and again, it, it's, it's situation for the Patriots where you look at it and say, okay, you're going to beat us, fine. Come beat us. But, like, it's going to be with Carson Wentz and the passing game and Michael Pittman and T.Y. Hilton and, and everything else. And, and I don't know if they can necessarily do that. Um, he has been good at protecting the football. He has. I mean, that there's no way around that, you know? So, um, but I do think like with Taylor and especially with Patriots, same thing, you know? So I will say the one thing I wanted to ask you about was I think that the Colts front office has been interesting this year between the Carson Wentz trade, which I thought was uh, bizarre. And now they're going to give up, you know, it's conceivable that they missed the playoffs. They missed the playoffs and they're giving up a top 20 pick for Carson Wentz, uh, which is not great, not great. Um, and then, you know, and not that it really matters, but the Marlon Mack thing was very bizarre to me. Like maybe no one wanted him. I don't know. But like the guy's 28 carries all year long. He's like your fourth running back. And he's just sitting Achilles, there. Though. That's what's tough. That's Which is true. Best. But but it's just like maybe no one wanted him. I don't know. But it's just like he's not playing. I, I just don't I don't understand why they didn't try to move him at the deadline. Maybe they did. And there was no one there. Right. But it, that was that was weird to me. Yeah, I you know, I, I think that was weird. I think that. At the same time, right? How how often does a player request a trade and we all just go, oh, well, somebody's going to get him for cheap because they know the team has to trade him, right? right? If Maybe the Colts just didn't give in to that. And I, what's his contract situation? Is he a free agent at the end yeah, of the year? Yeah, he's a free agent at the end of the year. Okay, so that's so I why. Gonna, I was going to say, like, maybe you move in the offseason, you can get more. Maybe, you know, if you don't think you're going to get any more than a, a fourth or fifth round pick, take the comp pick and maybe you right. can work something out with him, right? So... That was weird. I don't know. It was the weirdest thing. Yeah, they made some interesting decisions. I thought the Wentz trade, I actually didn't hate it. I didn't love it because they needed a quarterback. Like one way or the other, they needed a quarterback, right? And they weren't, they had made the playoffs with Phillip Rivers. They weren't in a spot where they were going to be able to draft a legitimate option. And their options were move up, in in which case you're probably giving up more than you're, you're definitely giving up more than one first round pick because they were what like from 20, where they were they were like 24 they were 24 yeah somewhere yeah. in the mid 20s so you're giving up more than one first round pick uh you know you reach on a kyle trask or a kellen mond which and then you might be right back in the same spot again in a year or you you wait to take the quarterback until a future year but they may have looked ahead and and realized what this upcoming quarterback class is which is bad like historically yeah. bad and in that case you know, a first round pick, a potential second, it is going to be a first round pick for Carson Wentz. And, you know, they have an intimate knowledge of him with Frank Reich. That to me was, you know, giving up a first round pick is obviously not easy, but in some ways that was the low risk option. When that I was think the too, lowest risk option of everything I, they could have done. I think too, I bring it back to the same Bradford trade. And everyone talks about, you know, Bradford got traded for a first round pick, but Minnesota looked at it and said, we can make 
the NFC Championship game with a mediocre quarterback. And they were exactly. right, by the way. They were yeah. right. They just picked the wrong mediocre quarterback. And the next year they did it with another mediocre quarterback and not Sam Bradford. And so, you know, the Colts, who knows, right? They kept lighting a bottle here and, and they've been playing well lately. If they win this game and they win a few more, they're in the playoffs. And then who knows what's going to happen? So, um, you know, so it certainly could work out in their in their favor. At the beginning of the year, I was like, just bench Carson Wentz. Like, what are you doing? Just don't play him. So, and then he doesn't get to 75, and it's no big deal, you know? From a game plan perspective, too, I wonder if this Saturday they take a similar approach to what they did with Tennessee, right? Where I think with Tennessee, they were worried about Tannehill from the playoff game, right? They, they'd load the box, and, and they, he got, they got killed on play action and, and RPOs and stuff like that. I wonder if they take a similar approach to what they did with Tennessee, where they're maybe they're a little bit more conservative and they might get run on a lot. Cause like, let's face it. I, Jonathan Taylor's the best running back in the league can do a lot, you know, threat with the ball in his hands from inside the tackles outside can catch the ball. Um, I wonder if they, they do that. Right. And they say, all right, you can run on us all you want. I don't think you're going to outscore us that way. And let's see what Carson can do. Cause I think that's the best way to success. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, limit the Patriots deep, like their number one defense in the league for a reason. But I think that so similar approach might give the Colts some, some problems. Like they need a lead early in that game. If they want to play the football that they want to play. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, first off, uh, John Taylor's the best healthy running back in the league. Derek yeah. Henry's yeah. still on a roster. Derek Henry, right, yeah. uh, right now. Yes. I, I called that whatever that draft was 1920, where everybody loved Clyde Edwards, Alaire and JK Dobbins and whoever Jonathan Taylor was the running back one in that class. DeAndre Swift. I, yeah, exactly. I don't know why there was any, and not to, you know, I think J.K. Dobbins is a decent player, but there shouldn't have been a conversation. It should have been Jonathan Taylor all day. Right. Um, not that I would have taken him in the first round. As as for your your other point, I think what part of the reason the Colts are so good is, and again, this goes back to maybe they're not the most raw talented team. They don't have the highest Madden ratings. They're not the sexiest fantasy names, but they're the, they're this. It's the sum of the parts. They're so good based on their personnel at putting defenses in conflict because you probably need to be in base to stop the run. But then they have these two good tight ends, uh, you know, not top five tight ends, but I like Jack Doyle. I like yep. Mo Alley Cox, right? They're both, they can both beat you. Right. So it's okay. Fine. Put base on the field. We're going to go play action and we're going to kill you with these two tight ends. And if we need to, we'll take a shot down the field to Michael Pittman jr. So I think if you're the Patriots they're they are really uniquely built to defend this team because, you know, every team has not necessarily at that level, but every team has the Jonathan, Ta uh, not Jonathan Taylor, the, the Dante Hightower and the Juwan Bentleys, you know, those big physical downhill running backs. When they go into those smaller packages, they have true safeties. And the Patriots have these two guys in Kyle Duggar and Adrian Phillips who can defend the run. They can cover like safeties and they can defend the run. And, We'll see what they do against the Colts. I'm not saying it's you put those two guys on the field and you're fine, but I think they're better, a better fit team to defend the Colts than a team like, for instance, Kansas City, whose third safety is Daniel Sorensen, who's more of, you know, he's a D, and it's not to pick on Daniel right. Sorensen. The name's just in my head, but, but do know, it. Is the third, is your third safety a box safety? Is, you know, a strong safety, or is your third safety another deep safety, right? If the Patriots' right. third safety was Miles Bryant, nothing against Miles Bryant, like him as a yeah. player. I I'm can't stop the him, run. Right. I'm not putting him in the box to fight through <laughs> Quentin Nelson to tackle Jonathan Taylor. It's just not the player he is. I think Adrian Phillips and Kyle Duggar to an extent could do, can do that. So when you put those two guys on the field, you're going to just lower the, you're going to lower the margin for error for the Colts. 
they're going to have less margin for error because they can't capitalize on personnel advantages. Now, these are two guys, Duggar's coming off COVID, right? Adrian Phillips seems fine, but it looked scary in Buffalo last week. He's was on the injury report all week with that knee injury. So there are two guys that do kind of have question marks on them coming into this game, but I don't know that there's two more important players on the field for the Patriots on the defensive side of the ball this week than Adrian Phillips and Kyle Duggar because they can take away or at least somewhat dampen the biggest advantage the Colts have strategically when they have the ball. Fun fact about Jonathan Taylor, second in the league in broken tackles. You know who's number one? Derrick Henry. Nope. Damian oh, Harris. It's uh, nope. Harris or Stevenson. Nope. No, it's Kendrick Bourne, isn't it? No, 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 no. Running back, running back wise. Oh, running back. It's somebody uh, who is it? Brandon Bourne? rookie running back Javante Williams. That's right. How about that. For see us? that. Where's yeah, he, he again? Make people miss Denver. 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 He's gonna be oh, yeah. real good. Yeah. It's amazing so. that they they spent such a high pick on him, and it's it's like him and Ramondre Stevenson are just the two guys. Like right. no one talks about any other rookie running back except he, for people. Two. I took a lot of heat for that on Monday night, and I did I did forget because I kind of worded it wrong. But and I, I I texted Pat and Keegan. I was like, "Is this too much of a hot take to to let go?" And then I like my OCD kicked, and I think I had like a Grammarly problem or something. And people were like, "Are you drinking? Like this is this is crazy." It was Ramondre Stevenson's the best pure runner in the like. If Najee Harris is having a phenomenal year, right? Like Javante Williams having a little bit better. Khalil Herbert, guys like that, like fantasy wise. Oh, there's so you gave Ramondre Stevenson Najee Harris's workload. He's he's the number one rookie running and PFF. He's the number one rookie running back, and, yeah. and like I think he's their their X factor going. I said it a few weeks ago. If they want to be successful down the stretch, he's a guy that they need going and and, and continuing to play the football. He is because he's a closer. Like you get down, it's cold. You know, you're up a score, two scores. You know, coming down the stretch of a game, that's a guy you want running the football. He said, "Knock on wood." He's been holding on to it since the problems early in the year, and that's a bruiser who's gonna you know beat down defenses, you know, when they're tired in the cold down the stretch. I think that's that's their – or I'm off on a tangent, but Andre Stevenson's a dog. No, but you're right. Like, I, I just feel like those yeah. – and the Patriots are uniquely equipped, I think, too, because it's not just the Jonathan Taylor show. It's not just the Derrick Henry show. Oh, my God, Derrick Henry's out. We're screwed. They have two guys. And, and Denver's kind of built the same way. I don't trust Denver's quarterback nearly as much, nor their defense. But, like – they're built the same way with with Gordon and and uh, and Williams that the Patriots are because you have Harris and Stevenson, and what they've been doing a lot is just switching drives. Okay, you take this drive. Okay, you take that drive. You take this drive. You know, and they've just been switching them off, and, and it's been working. The best part about yeah. that too is you hear both of them talk, and it's like I mean, obviously Ramondre is pretty soft spoken, and that doesn't seem like a guy who, who's starting to feel much, himself but, a little bit. He had yeah, a quote today Damian's where he a very was like, outspoken guy. He's like the best yeah. guy to to talk to, to hear, you know, his press conferences. I just think he's super honest. Those two guys are happy for each other. Like there's, there's no, yeah. like, you know, you get a lot of running backs in the league. I think a lot of them are divas, right? Like, I don't think a lot of them would have a, would have an, a lot would have an issue with kind of the split workload, but I think what they got going is working. And I think that's their, that's their X factor down the stretch. So I, I think too, what a lot of people miss because there's a lot of Patriots fans here. You know, why why isn't there more of Andre Stevenson? He's running so well. He's running so well. And you kind of touched on it there. I think the best thing going for Andre Stevenson right now is Damian Harris and vice versa. Because, yeah. and this is what the Patriots did in 2018. It's part of how they were so effective, especially once it gets cold. You know, your power running the ball. Because this isn't, you know, cute, get to the outside, cut between players. It's putting the shoulder down right in your opponent's chest and running them over again and again 
And again, and look, that wears on both players. But the reality is these defensive linemen and linebackers are probably playing about 70% of the snaps. Whereas, like you said, when Harris and Stevenson rotate, all of a sudden you got this one guy who's been taking body blows for 40 minutes. And here comes, you know, Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson, who, you know, spent the last 20, 25 real-time minutes on the bench. So being able to keep those guys fresh and alternate them makes them better because they're playing fresher than their opponents. So the people who say, oh, well, they just need to start giving more carries to Ramondre Stevenson. They just need to start giving more carries to Damian Harris. I think there's certain games where maybe you can game plan styles versus specific opponents. But for the most part, a 50-50 split here really helps both players. It really does because it keeps them fresh. So again, I don't know, you know, you talk about if you gave Ramondre Stevenson, Najee Harris's workload. I don't know that that entirely works. Because how is that going to wear on him? I think part of it, not to take anything away from him, but I think the limited workload for both guys has helped each one play better. And, and again, like you said, they recognize that and they've bought into it. There's an understanding that that's for the better for the whole of the team. Whereas I don't know that every guy in the league would do that. I don't know that every guy in the league would say, yeah, I'll split my carries 50-50 with a rookie. Or I'll split my carries 50-50 even when I'm clearly running better. Or wide receivers, yeah, I'll go out and and block and block and block again. This team has so much buy-in. And that's been a big part of it, too. I think something that's been lost, too, is like Harris hasn't finished you know, every game this year. He he got knocked out of two or three games. And And last year, too. Yeah, so... So, like, Belichick and Fears, whoever's making that call, their their hand has been forced a little bit where it's like, it's not that we want Ramondre to come in and give Harris some reprieve. It's we have no choice. He's in the locker room right now because he's got a hamstring or, or a hip or something. And then this guy comes in and he's just, he's been good. I don't know if it's so much like we see something and we want him out there. It's just we had to throw him out there and he's been running great. It, you know, not so much like a choice, but – they had to do it and it worked out. I would counter that with look at the Bills game. Is it, you know, they've the hand has been forced, or is it having Ramondre Stevenson has allowed them to be more careful with Damian Harris right. and prevent, right? Because it's right. been little things. It's a hamstring, it's a knee, gets his wind knocked out, right? Have Stuff they the guys they, play through? Right, exactly. Yeah. So I like I'm not saying what you're saying is entirely wrong. Like he left some games. He left the Carolina game. He had a concussion. But at the same time, I also think there's this knowledge of, all right, you know, this guy's been banged up. Let's lessen the workload. Let's keep him healthy. Because, again, two is better than one. Like, I think the bell cow back concept outside of Derrick Henry just isn't realistic. Look at what's happened in Carolina. Christian McCaffrey, as talented as he is, is not built for that. So I think Ramondre Stevenson has allowed them to manage Damian Harris a little bit more and keep him healthy and keep him fresh and keep him as a weapon in the offense here down the stretch. So when you've seen – Oh, go ahead. Just go ahead, Keegan. real quick, I, like Nick Chubb, his numbers and his effectiveness, it fluctuates when Hunt's in there or, yeah. or when he's not. So, yeah, I, I definitely see that. Like with two minutes left and a half, you, you're you're comfortable sending Harris to the locker room to get treatment when you've got this guy right. where you're right. Maybe maybe you wouldn't be if, if he wasn't who he is. Exactly. Right. So now as it relates to Saturday's game, do you see them trying to kind of establish the run? And it, Because that's what they've done, right? They've come out and run the ball pretty consistently. I do think – listen, people talked about Mac after the Buffalo game like they don't trust Mac, which not not people that are smart and know what they're talking about. But, like, you know, people are like, oh, do they not trust Mac? And I was like, well, come on. Like, week four against Brady in, in a monsoon, he's out there throwing like 50 times. Like, they trust Mac enough. Like, they do. 
And so I, I don't think that that's a question, but I think do they come out trying to, you know, trying to run right away? Uh, they have a few times kind of gotten behind the eight ball a little bit and Max bailed them out on some third down plays where it's like they run it on first, get one, run it on second, get two, and now it's third and seven. And it's like Max got to, you know, complete an eight or nine yard pass for first down. And he's done that a few times. But like, you know, do you think that they start the game like that? Or do you think they come out throwing more? Or what do you, what do you see happening? Yeah, so I, I think, and I'm writing about this for 985thesportshub.com. It'll be up tomorrow morning. Nobody can give this specific iteration of the Patriots offense more fits than an elite defensive tackle. And we saw it with Jeffrey Simons in Tennessee, right? And that was objectively the Patriots' worst rushing performance of the year. They kind of got it going in the fourth quarter, but the game was out of hand at that point. You know, for the first 50 minutes, they really didn't have anything on the ground. And I, even though they ended up winning the game, I think it probably took them a little longer than it should have to recognize that the passing game was going to be need to be more of a part of the game plan. And they generally learn from things like that. So against DeForest Buckner this week, against Darius Leonard, who's really good against the run as well, I wouldn't be surprised if they test those guys early. And if they come out and they say, okay, how, how much can the run truly be a factor for us in this game? And if they find it can be a factor, they roll with it. If not, you know, they kind of go more to Mac, but I think they can't wait. They can't wait until like the second quarter to figure that out. They don't have that margin for error that they had against Tennessee because I think the Colts will be more proactive on the offensive side of the ball than Tennessee was or even Cleveland was because they had similar problems in that Cleveland game. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think they come out and they run the ball a good amount. The question is, which back is it? Because Damian Harris is dealing with the hamstring. And Ramondre Stevenson, I know he hasn't fumbled in a bit, but he is a rookie and he has had ball security issues. I sneaky wonder if this is a Brandon Bolden game. I wouldn't be surprised if they run the ball early and you're seeing some Brandon Bolden. Not a I'm ton. Like writing, I think I'm Bo Brandon. I'm writing yeah. about him now. Like if there's an under like for from, from this winning streak, right? Cause week three, James White goes down or week right. was that week. Yeah. Week three, they were one and three two at the Saints time. Game, yeah. Yeah. Right. What are they since then? Uh, eight and two. Is that the math? Nah, seven and two. Yes. If you uh, told eight, me eight then, right. Eight right. Two, like, yeah how important he is on third down because Damian Harris is not a third down back and Ramondre Stevenson, the, the reason uh, struggled with fumbling, but I think also was him in pass protection. That's why JJ Taylor can't get on the field. The amount, the job that Brandon Bolden has done since week three is like, nobody talks about enough. I think he's a one of the key guys that kind of jump started this, this winning streak. I mean, Bill talks about him all the time. How thankfully is to have him from a leadership perspective and what he can do on third down. I mean, if you if you really watch like some of these blitz pickups he's had as given Mac that just that little extra time to buy a little bit more and put the ball in the money, he has been if you went into the year, imagine that hey, the Pats are nine and four and Brandon Bolden's one of their most important players. I would have said you are insane. Because yeah. everyone wanted him gone because he was terrible as a kick returner, but his ability to play on third down has been, you know, astronomically better for this team. I'll tell you about it morning too he said a lot of kind of a lot along along the lines of what you just said he deserves i i owe him multiple apologies i still say he should never be anywhere near a kick return but i owe him significant amounts of apologies for uh for what i said about him uh during i feel feel like that's a little bit of charity too when when they were throwing him back there they're like you've been here eight years right let's get the ball in your hands like he wasn't playing on offense at that at that point it was like let's here have the ball Take it well, out they, nine yards deep. 
they have a history too of when they don't have a returner, they'll just default to some veteran because right. they trust that guy to make the right decision. Obviously, Bolden Patrick in, in that situation. Right, exactly. It was yeah. like he's not an elite returner, but it's like, okay, you know what you're doing back there, so we trust you. Which, by the way, their tendency to kind of lean that way made the Nikhil Harry thing even more mind blowing. Yeah. Um, but I, but, uh, but he doesn't know what he's doing back there because he'll get it nine yards deep in the end zone and take it out. And it's like, what are you doing? Just let it go. That's what they take wanted to do. I guess them to, they've gotten super aggressive on those plays. There was a point last year. <laughs> yeah. I haven't run these numbers this year because it hasn't been as bad, but there was a point last year in the season. I calculated, you know, when they ran the ball out, how many yards did they lose versus if they had just taken the touchback? And it was around November and they had lost like 80 yards of field position over the course of the that season. That was yeah. that was Oshevsky. And then they when Dante Moncrief came in and they made the switch. Right. I well like... and got Gunner too. Uh, it was Oshevsky, sorry, and Duggar. Duggar was returning kicks at that point too. Yep. And Which is yeah, wild. they they were running it was like these two rookies are running everything out and they're losing all these yards. And like what is happening? Let me ask you I have a I have a cockamamie idea here. Um okay. Love Belichick, as we all know, right? Belichick is always bucks the trend, right? The NFL yeah. zigs, he zags, right? One of the biggest complaints that I've had and, and we've all had about him really since 2019 is that he's just so conservative on fourth down. It drives me insane. He's at the 50-yard line, fourth and one, and he punts it. And you're like, what the hell are you doing? My question to you, and it sounds crazy, but my question to you is the NFL, the league itself has swung completely in the other direction, right? He used to be right. super aggressive. When nobody was aggressive, he used to be super aggressive. Now everyone else is aggressive and he is conservative. Do you think that he's trying to play off of something that like, he's like, well, there's, there's, you know, an inefficiency, inefficiency in the market. So, you know, to use the cap speak right. that, that people use about this, this off season, that he is kind of intentionally doing this because everyone swung the other way that he's swinging back the other way and saying, well, this might give me a, a, a you know, a benefit because everyone's being so aggressive. So, all right, there's a couple ways to answer this question. With, in regards to analytics, and I'm very notably non-analytics person, uh, you know, very anti-analytics. If analytics work best, if both teams are using them, right? If both teams are following the spreadsheet, then the results are going to work better because that's what the analytics are based right. on, right? They have to evaluate both teams, so that's what they do. If it, it, it's almost, it's like if, if two people are playing a game, if they're both playing by the same rules, they both have an even chance to win the game. If they're playing by different rules, one's per, one person's rules are probably going to give them the advantage. So I think there, some of it probably is Belichick recognizing that he knows what everybody's going to do. He's a step ahead because these coaches aren't making the decisions on their own. They're making them off a chart. Belichick has the chart. He essentially knows what the other team's decision-making process is, and he can be a step ahead. And I think countering aggressive play calling and aggressive decision-making by being conservative. I mean, there's, there's evidence to support that that's the best, you know, you don't counter aggression with aggression. If you counter aggression by being conservative, it'll help you out because the thing about aggressive about playing aggressive is it's high risk, high reward. Yeah. And you're not going to hit that objective every time. Bill feels like if he hits his objectives more often than not, it'll give him a good chance to win the game. I think the other element of it, specifically in regard to going with it on fourth down, when people look at the analytics, right, and they look at it and they say, oh, well, you had a 40% chance of winning the game if you punt, 
versus a 70% chance of winning the game if you convert. Well, okay. Like, that's how the analytics read. Okay, what are the chances you actually convert? Because those, like the 70% doesn't represent if you go for it. The 70% represents if you convert. And I know some people do it with the if you convert number. But again, that number is not perfect because there's too many. And I know people say, oh, it accounts for this and that and that. It doesn't account for everything. It can't. Football is too different on a play-by-play, game-by-game basis to do that. And I think Bill looked at it early in the year and didn't believe he could convert, right? And if you go for it and don't convert, you know, congratulations, you followed the math. Awesome. Round of applause. You're still going to lose the game. And I wonder if Bill looked at it and said, you know, I have more confidence in my defense making this stop than I do in the offense picking this up. That's what people forget. You know, they think, oh, you know, he's just being conservative. He's going against the math. He might just trust the defense. That's what I think happened in Buffalo. It wasn't that he didn't trust Mac. I think if you want to take anything away from that game, it was two things. It showed you what he really thought of the Bills, the Bills offense and Sean McDermott. And it showed you what he really thought of that defense. So that to me is what some of the conservative decision-making was early in the year. I didn't take it as, oh, he's being like people like, oh, he's being conservative for the sake of being conservative. I don't think that's what it was. I think he trusted his defense better than the offense because he saw what the defense truly was, even if they weren't playing up to that potential early in the year. And I don't think he trusted the offense at that point when they were having all those offensive line issues to pick up two yards on fourth and two or three yards on fourth and three. And frankly, I wouldn't blame him for that. So, you know, this is what happens when you get me going on analytics, you get a 10 minute answer. Cause it just my, no. my, my hatred burns so deep, but I don't, I don't fault him for the, the conservativeness because I think you can defend the majority of those decisions when you take the analytics numbers out of them and just look at them objectively. When I think too, like anyone that says Bill is an analyst, I was listening to Ted Johnson on Phil Perry's podcast today. He's talking about how way back in, you know, 20, 2001, Bill was talking about analytics and writing, you know, bringing in stats, you know, from an analytic website and everything like that. So like, so I think Bill does look at the numbers. That's why I feel like if he's looking at the numbers, then it's like, hey, you know, he is looking at the numbers, but he's intentionally going against them. And I was like, well, maybe it's because everyone's being aggressive. So like the response to everyone being aggressive is to be conservative. And then it screws up what they're trying to do. The the other part of it too. So I wonder if he's looking at the numbers just to see what everybody else is doing. And he told us a couple of years ago, somebody asked him if he used analytics and he said, or it was what percent of your decisions are based on analytics. He said less than zero. And I, I think, so basically, ultimately, what analytics are, what they bubble down to, right? It's a based off historical context, what should you do in this situation? And I think for younger coaches, that's a nice thing to have. I think for Bill Belichick, who's been a part of this league for more than half of its existence, I don't think he needs that because I think he's he's lived so much of it, right? That And, and there's stories about him, and, and this Ernie Adams is a part of this too, where Ernie Adams would call down, and this was like 2010, 2011, Ernie Adams would call down and be like, yeah, remember that game, Giants versus Eagles in 1987, week 12 or whatever? And they would just both know it. Like that's that's analytics without using math. That's that's essentially the analytics are bringing that up to people who don't have that that memory, who don't have that ability to recall. So, you know, I, I think to that extent, I think too, like you said, Bill may be using the numbers and ignoring them. I think that's a huge part of it because- one of my biggest problems with analytics, and look, this this mostly applies to baseball, but my my personal war on analytics is I don't want to see football get to the point where baseball is at. I don't think we're there yet, but I don't want to see it happen. I think, you know, 
the 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 Kevin Stefanski's, the Sean McDermott's, the 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 Kyle Shanahan's of the world, they are married to that spreadsheet. It's not let, Brendan like, Staley has lost games for the Chargers yes. because he refuses right. to go against them. So it's not you know if you want to use analytics as a as a, you know information like to make informed decisions, fine. But at certain points, some coaches cross that line where they're using analytics to make an informed decision to the analytics are they're basing their decision solely off the analytics. And I think the coaches that can and can't do that are, you know, it's, it's, it's night and day. It's widely different. If you're, you know, if you're taking Blake Snell out of the world series game five, whatever it was, I was when just going to bring him up. I was like just going to bring up the race. That is my biggest fear is that football gets to that point that it's fourth and one in some meaningful game and a team goes four verts because that's what the math says, right? I I never want to get to that. Or, or you know what? It happened actually this year. Buffalo on fourth down against the Titans, remember, had a chance to kick a field goal to go to overtime. They were slipped. rolling. They had all the momentum in that game. They call the quarterback sneak because the math told them to try to pick it up there because obviously if you convert that, you have a better chance to win the game. What the math doesn't tell you is it was raining and the field was wet. And Ryan, you said it, Josh Allen slipped. They lost the game because of it. And like that to me Tampa is the did nightmare. It this past week, remember to open up the half when it was fourth and one. And it, I just, I just think, I just think Bruce Aaron's a dumb coach. I don't think that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> Listen, well, I'll tell you. They up at the time, 27, 24, three, something 24, like that. Yeah, they're up yeah. three and he's going four verts or whatever. That's true. I different, different situations. Yeah. Bruce Aaron's was a bad coach before analytics. I, I I won't. I'm the first one to shoot down analytics. I, I don't necessarily think that was analytics. I'm a, I'm a math teacher. So I love math and I love the numbers and I, and I follow the numbers as much as I can, but the game is played by humans. At the end of the day, Thank the you. game is played by human beings. So, That's like, my quote, Pat. Don't, don't be taking my quote. So you, so you use the math, right? Because I think the math is important. I think the math, you know, gives you some context as to the decisions that you're making, and you know, ultimately, I think the right decision. Listen, I still think the Buffalo decision was the right decision. I really do because I feel like the way that their defense was playing, I was not confident they were going to win that game in overtime. If Tennessee ends up with the ball, you're fourth and one at the goal line. You have, you know, a great quarterback who should be able to get that. He slips and falls, and, and it is what it is. But to me, it was, hey, you got a chance to win the game right here, right now. Go for it, right? That's the way I feel about it. But like some, you know, some of them, it's like, okay, come on now, Brandon Staley, go for it on like what fourth and two against the Patriots on like the thirty-five yard line in the first quarter. I'm like, what the hell are you doing, buddy? Like, just punt the ball and live another day. Like, you know, you don't have to do it every single time. So like. There are times here and there, but again, like it's, yes, the math is important, but like it's played by people. Right. And so like you have to see who's there and you can't take your best player out because, oh, the analytics say this, that's stupid. That's just stupid. So I don't think we'll ever get to that point in, in football because ultimately the best player is the best player. And like, you know, it's not like, oh, we don't bring in someone for a situation like baseball. Um, but you know, football coaches are tapped too. Like they don't, you know, that's very they're not all there. So they're I, think, not, I don't think now they're there. not. That's the thing. You bring in these math true. guys, they're not tapped. I'll true. bring I'll bring this up by the way, just because uh, if you watch me and Evan show, you're familiar with this. That's uh, Patriots versus analytics heavy coaches this year. Actually, this isn't including the Bills game, but um, I Evan's a math guy, so I pull that up on him all the time. Yeah, no, I have no problem with math and science and technology, and like I think rockets are really interesting and all that. There's a ton of math there. At a certain point. Your best 11 versus their best 11. Who's pushing the other team back? There's no math involved in that. Right. 
Right. Well, I, you know, for the Patriots who've had a couple 12 men on the field penalties, there's yeah, count some to math. 11. That, that. That's the math. Count to 11. That's was all it, the math was it I this year that, that called the timeout, had 12 guys on the field, called the timeout, and then got the penalty for 12 guys on the field after the oh. timeout? I forget who it was, but it I might think have been it was on offense. I think it was in the huddle. It was like, you got to be it? kidding me, dude. Yeah, I don't I remember okay. offense, defense. was just like, come on. Anyway, like, count, count to 11. That's all the math I need in the NFL. Right, exactly. So, all right. Before we let you go, Barth, we need a score prediction for you from you and then you need to plug everything of course but give us a score prediction tell us what you think is going to happen not what you think is going to happen what is going to happen on saturday night yeah i think this could be a sneaky high scoring game i actually think both i said it last night i said it last night i think it's going to be high scoring i think both teams are so okay so there's two reasons for this i think both teams are actually going to succeed in stopping the run i think the patriots are going to limit jonathan taylor and i actually think the colts with the forest buckner will be able to limit what the patriots do on the ground so both teams start throwing the ball a lot and then on top of that, and this is my X factor in this game. This is, you know, what the wind was in Buffalo, right? That third team on the field. Carl Sheffers is the head referee in this game. His crew has called the second most penalties in the league this year. They've also called the most, not only the most defensive pass interference, they've called the most offensive pass interference. So, and the second most, they've called the second most defensive holding. So, you know, there's going to be opportunities, chunk plays through the air, whether it's flags or not. Um, so I'll go, you know, uh, now nah, I don't think they're going to get as high. I try not to do scores. Last time they played, it was 34, 28. I don't think it gets that high or sorry, 38, 24. I'll go. I mean, I think it's a close game. I'll go 31, 25. I like 31. It. I'll go 31, 25 Patriots. Um, and I, you know, I think that's the sneaky advantage for the Patriots, that referee thing, because the Patriots corners are are good at playing. They don't need to be in contact with the receiver to play the receiver, specifically J.C. Jackson, right? Yes. He's comfortable being a step away in recovering. Rock Yasin, like him as a player, I really do, but he's a physical corner. He right. wants to knock you around, grab you, shove you. I don't think that flies this week. I think you're going to hear a lot of bitching from the anti-Patriots people about the officials after Patriot this game. all the calls. Yeah. I do think there's going to be a ton of flags. Like, I don't think this is going to be a fun game to watch. Um, but I think the Patriots get some help by being more technically sound. I think they win a sneaky high-scoring game, throwing the ball 31-25. But it's going to be a game where they throw the ball a ton, but Mac doesn't have big numbers because it's going to be P.I., so we get to do a bunch of nonsense discussion about how the Patriots put up 31 points and Mac had nothing to do with it. Love it. Love it. That's good. It's a good one. That's a good one, man. So, uh, Barth, obviously – Clearly, you work for 98.5 The Sports Hub, yeah. as we've uh, as we've noted. When are you going to get on the air? Are you on the air ever? Yeah, uh, yeah. So they, I, I'm on two to six. He's on sometimes. Yeah. I hear him. Yeah, um, I'm normally on a Touch on Rich oh, Monday my mornings. Um, I do a spot with them. Sometimes I'm on Love with uh, Gasper and Murray, but I will be on like four hours. I will be in the in the in the two chair Monday and Tuesday, the week after the Bills game. I'll be in for Toucher and Rich. Oh, I'll let's go. In. Thursday night for Adam Jones with Ty Anderson. And then I will be in Sunday, New Year's Day, 4.30 to 6 p.m. So maybe we'll talk some college football. Good then. for you. So oh, I, we love it. Big awesome. things. Oh, big things. I'll be on a bit coming up. Long yeah, time coming awesome. for you, brother. We're going to hype Jags week, baby, all week. Let's do I'm it. So, it. Hey, I'm so, so pissed. Bella, Urban Meyer didn't I was just going to say, my buddies uh, in our group text today was like, 
I am so mad Belichick can't slap around Urban on uh, week 17 <laughs> and just coach a circle. Like, that game would have been – and uh, it pro- it's still going to be a joke, but, like, it just would have been awesome. I cannot stand that guy. I'm so happy. I'll tell you what, though. That 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 uh, 50-yard handshake at the end of the game, Daryl Bevel, the Seahawks offensive coordinator for 2014, might be a little contentious over there. Man. Meanwhile, meanwhile – uh, or, uh, the, um, Trevor Lawrence today said he'd never seen Die Hard. Yeah, I mean, without amazing. Urban Meyer, the Jacks terrible still stuff. embarrassment. Terrible stuff. Who could have ever predicted Urban Meyer being a flaming disaster? Right. That's the craziest <laughs> part about it. Is as nonsense as everything was, I think it was exactly what we all expected. Right. Yeah. No. It one hundred percent was. Everybody. He. I. I don't know who said it, but he is a perfect. Like he was in college, he was a perfect CEO. He had a great staff around him. Like this, yeah. I don't think he knows anything about football. No. And in college, he knew how to recruit. He was probably slipping some payments under the table. And and Keegan, probably. I don't know how you feel because you're the Ohio State guy, but oh, I've hated um, him my entire life. I like he's I was such the a day they, I just the day they had Ryan Day introduced, I was I was ecstatic. Manchester, New Hampshire, like, born and raised, Ryan Day. I can't wait. I'll, I'll give you two things that are on the way. First off, Andre Cisco is going to be a Pro Bowler. Andre okay. Cisco, who Urban Meyer refused to play for 13 weeks. Like, I think he's playing more. Isn't he playing more? <laughs> right? Zero, zero defensive snap. Zero yeah. defensive after forcing a fumble on the opening kickoff. If you do that on the Patriots, Belichick gives you a freaking race. Um, I think Andre Cisco will be an, a, a pro bowler. Yeah, like he's a good player. I like him during the draft. And I cannot wait for the Jags to hire Dabo Sweeney. And we get to do this all again next year. Oh because if you think, like, Ur- like, Urban Meyer, bad football coach, questionable human being. The only person who might top him is and be more out of touch yep. is Davo Sweeney. And he said he wants say, to quit college now that oh. they're paying players. So the Jack the only on. thing we were missing was the fake heart attack on the sideline. That we got the full urban. It might have gone there too. Except for the fake heart attack. So yeah. it's unfortunate we didn't get that. We were robbed like, of that. If you told me, oh, like, all right, one of two things are gonna happen in Urban Meyer's first year, or at all. One of two things are gonna happen during Urban Meyer's tenure. He's gonna kick one of his players. <laughs> or he's going to make the playoffs. I would have put house money on kicking the player. <laughs> Says all you need to know about it. And you know what? Yeah, you know what's is fun is that... about about him getting fired like th- this late. Sorry to cut you off, Pat, but That's right. there are no jobs left in college football. So it, we good. at least get a year away from him. And oh, don't all be so the stories sure. coming out of his former college players, like Draymond Jones, was like he didn't know my name. I, I was an All American. He had no idea what my name was when I was at Ohio State. Just like I so said, perfect, perfect CEO. No, well, knows just, how to run a company. Knows how to run a program. But, has nothing to do with it. Well, the other thing here, this time next say? year, this time next year, Urban Meyer will be the head coach at the University of Texas. Oh. Just wait. And but this is my thing, right? That's you drafted the guy, the can't miss prospect, the biggest can't miss prospect since Andrew Luck, maybe even before that. And the guy you got to to you like. Bring him in was right. freaking Urban Meyer. What the hell, the you guy do? who historically you knew who you were getting? Not coach quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. never so had a, a that's a job. That's a job that's like as bad as Jacksonville is. And I know we're going off here, but like you have a ton of cap space. You have a franchise quarterback right. who's going to be very good. His numbers are. He's had no structure. The worst environment of right. maybe Zach Wilson's is is even better. And you can make an argument for for Trevor Lawrence. Um, and they got a ton of cap space. You know, top pick. It's not that bad of a 
job to take as long as you have the security. Like Urban Meyer said, what was it, a five-year deal? Like they probably gave it like, hey, you know, this isn't going to be turned around overnight. We know it's going to take time. And you get canned after 13 games. That's how bad he was. Prior to him, like they give people time. What was it? It was four years for both of the the two previous coaches. Maroney and then the other, I forget the other one. Yeah, yeah, they they give people Gus Bradley, right? So Yeah, Gus Bradley. They they yeah. give people time, so maybe somebody's gonna get some time and at least. Get all right, the we rest gotta of- we gotta move on. We gotta right, sorry. Bart, get the hell out of here because we no. All right. <laughs> Thanks for coming, by. We appreciate it, man. Appreciate it, Looking forward to listening to you on the radio too. That'd be fun. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate. We'll it. be I we'll be tuning in. Maybe we'll call in. I'll I'll call in as like Ooh, Ooh, yeah, Gabe like from Burlington and do a <laughs> funny radio voice, and you'll know it's me. <laughs> there you go. All right, have a good one, guys. Care, all right, boys. We'll see you, man. All right, so we are gonna get into our five minute fantasy segment. Keegan's gonna go in a few minutes, so we're gonna pull up uh pull up Jeff Greenwood. Listen. Jeff's coming on the show. We've been trying to Jeff. Thanks for coming through, man. We've been trying to get Jeff on the show. Now we've gone. Jeff and I are going back and forth on the DMs for a while. He is, uh, you know, host of the Tackle Guys, uh, Tackle Dummies podcast, which, uh, you know, first round by in the uh, listen to league, no big deal, you know, just whatever. But also a, a writer for uh, fantasy footballers, you know, no big deal. Just you know, just a guy out there killing it, doing his thing. Uh, Patriots fan as well, so. Uh, thanks for coming on, Jeff. We're so happy that uh, that you're here, and I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that we we're able to make make the timing work. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, of course. So I'm just uh, gonna say, I'm not I I'm not being rude. I my my only league, my big league. I had to win one game out of my last three to make the playoffs. I lost all three. I have no questions. I'm. Fantasies in my rear view mirror for the, for the rest of this year. <laughs> boycotting, boycotting, man. understandable boycotting. So, all right, so here's how it works. Those, uh, those of you that haven't listened in before, uh, it's a five minute fantasy segment. Here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna set the timer for five minutes. I'm gonna ask the first question to Jeff, uh, or Keegan, do you have a question? I got one. All right, so Keegan's gonna ask the first question to Jeff when he finishes asking, uh, family feud style. When he finishes asking the question, I'm gonna hit the five minute timer. Jeff will have five minutes to answer as many questions as possible. If you have questions, write them in the chat. Um, but he'll he'll have five minutes to talk about things, answer any questions, and then the timer goes off, and boom, we're done. Okay? So, Keegan, go. All right. So, I was six and two six weeks ago. I'm six and eight now. I just I fell off a cliff. Uh, I'm in the toilet bowl. It, it's tough. It's a dynasty Ooh. league, and I've got a ton of old guys, so I'm going to give you my old guys. Tell me who I need to get rid of. Okay? So, Russell Wilson, Keenan Allen I'm throwing in there. Um, Derek Carr, who it's Derek Carr, and then DeAndre Hopkins, who hasn't been healthy, you know, all year, but puts up numbers when he's there. So, who do I get rid out of out of those four? I'll add it to Superflex League. Okay, that makes more sense because I'm saying Derek Carr. Like, what are you what are you doing with him? But yeah, no, I, I I'd say you should. If it were me, I'd hold on to Russell Wilson. I think he he has a pretty good chance of changing teams. You know, and then his stock is going to go up. I'm a big Russell Wilson fan. Um, hasn't done well this year. I think he's going to be better. If it were me, I'd, I'd try to shop around maybe Nuke. I love Nuke. But, I mean, I think he's 29. If you're looking to get younger, you got to get rid of the older guys. Take a chance on a younger guy. Go after Jalen Waddle, something like that. He just got put on injured reserve for uh, for COVID. So, if you could trade him to a, a playoff team now, um, you know, and, and get a younger player like that and some rookie picks. I'd make that move. I mean, one rebuild myself, and uh, it's tough to to commit, but sometimes you get to play for like two years in advance type thing. I like it. I like it. All right, so uh, Antonio Gibson this year with Washington's like entire offensive line out, I think I, I saw that um, their like fourth string center who's starting, I guess also was a plus size male model. I don't know if that's like 
actually true or someone was making a joke or not. Uh, but I feel like it's true. I want it to be true. So it's true. Uh, are you starting Antonio Gibson this week or are you putting someone like I have uh, Henderson and uh, Melvin Gordon underneath him? Are you playing one of those guys over Gibson, just kind of that level, or are you just rolling with Gibson anyways? I'd go with both of those guys. If Henderson starts, I'm going to go with Henderson. I think Sony Michelle, obviously being a Pats fan too, it's it's good to see him see success, but he, you know, he's been valuable as a fantasy player if Henderson's out. If Henderson's in, I'm going Henderson. Uh, Melvin Gordon's been a stud. Javante Williams, a young guy, you know, he's looking better on the field, but Gordon's no, you know, slouch. So if it's me, you know, Gibson's workload is the biggest thing is it's it's fluctuating and you get that center who's, you know, out of the game. I, I, I'm not going to trust him. So if it's me, I'm going Gordon um, above. Would you would you do crazy craziness and start both Gordon and Javante Williams? Well, who does Denver play this week? I forget. Denver plays Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Okay. Okay. Um, I if it's if it's me, like if you're in, so you're in the playoffs, right? Yes, sir. Um, I I'd say if you're the projected winner, I'd go with it. I'm a math guy myself. I know you're a math teacher, Pat. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're going and you're the you're the favorite. Yes, I'm comfortable with. I think it's a safe move. You limit your upside. Right. If you're if you're you know going up against a guy that's a number one seed, number two seed, something like that, um, I'd play just one and I'd lean Javante. Yeah, myself. And I mean you're flipping a happen. coin. Makes but sense. if you if you're projected for you know five percent, ten percent more projected total, I'd be cool playing both of them and then just kind of locking in some good points. All right, we got dark blue gold. With the question: uh, Dalton Schultz or Pat Fryermuth in a full PPR league? Dalton Schultz, guy's been killing it. Um, Steelers worry me. Frymuth has been good in certain weeks, but I'm going to stick with Schultz. All right. Okay. And so since it is the playoffs, uh, or uh, let me tell you this, do you have anyone that's on your list that maybe like where you're, where you're sitting a guy or you're starting a guy that most people are kind of looking at as, you know, one of the other, like a guy that's in everyone's lineup. You're like, eh, I don't know about that guy this week. So anyone that comes to mind like that, or anyone that you're like, Hey, play this guy. Um, that's a good question. I didn't, I didn't do a ton of prep for that specific thing. I, I guess I would say Elijah Mitchell, if he plays, I think you got to play him. I like that, um, yeah. San Francisco, he's been a stud when he does play, but they, they've got so many pieces. You, you never know really what to, what to expect from them. Um, he's not, and this that, is like now the second week in a row, he hasn't really practiced. Yeah. Yeah. And you I know? think he was doing like drills on the side. That's what they today. said today. Yeah. 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 So oh, that's a good one. Eli Mitchell is a good one. So, um, all right. So, it is fantasy playoffs, which means the regular season's over. Who's your fantasy MVP so far this year? I so I two names come to mind: Leonard Fournette, who's of course injured at the moment, but yeah. the the guy's been a stud. I mean, unbelievable. You know, you had the story of playoff Lenny and uh, Super Bowl right. Lenny from last year. You love to see it. The guy's just electric. He's got a good personality, and he's been killing it with touchdowns, usage on the field. Tom Brady, t- you know, trusts him. We thought Giovanni Bernard. Might be the dump-off guy, but Fournette's getting passes. I like him. And then my guy, Debo Samuel. I was, uh, you know, promoting him in the offseason. I love to see a guy like Debo. He's a yak master, yards after the catch catch master. I mean, I've never seen a team like the 49ers that just, they they stuff the defenders. They stiff arm them. Everybody on that team is, you get the ball, you're getting seven more yards. Debo Samuel is a stud. I love Debo Samuel. He's been a big, uh, you know, guy for me in fantasy this year. All right, ten seconds. Most disappointing player this year. Disappointing player. I got to go with Calvin Ridley. I mean, because you, you couldn't drop him. At least with CMC, you could right. drop him. So 
So good for mental health. Good for Calvin Ridley. You know, yeah. get get right. But he's my. Pick. I like it. I like it. By the way, Cooper Cup too has been unbelievable. But I love the I love the Fournette and um the Fournette one is interesting because the Fournette and Debo like they weren't even getting drafted or they were getting drafted yeah. super late. At least Cup is like people were drafting him like a wide receiver too. They didn't expect him to be like the wide receiver one, but like they were draft you were spending money on that guy, right? Mm. Or, or spending value on that guy, whereas the other two were like afterthoughts, you know. So, so yeah, I like it. I like it. So, all right, Jeff, thank you. That was that was a, a great little segment there. We appreciate it. Um, thank you for coming through, man. We we uh, we love it. And you know, Tackle Dummies is, is the uh, is the podcast that you do, and it's a lot of fun. It's a fun it's a fun show. You guys have a lot of fun doing it, which is great. Uh, I believe you stink bombed your uh, your co-host's house last at the end of last episode. Did you not? <laughs> I did. I brought a fart bomb. It was like a, I saw it on Amazon a few years ago. It was like seventy eight pack for like nine ninety nine. It's a must have. Oh and I, I got to his house and I I tried to get him. It didn't work. And then yeah, partway through the episode, I slapped that thing. I felt a little bad, but uh, it was it was a good laugh. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So uh, listen, before we let you go, uh, well, first of all, do you have a take on the game Saturday? I think the Pats are going to win. I mean, I'm, I'm, I went into the season. I'm like, if they win one playoff game, I'm happy as a Pats fan. Clearly, we're in a much higher, you know, level than that. I think they're going to beat the Colts. I think it's going to be close. Um, I heard to the the guest you had on before. I think he guessed 31-25. Um, I think it's going to be close. I think the Pats are going to come away with a victory, though, even in a, in a away game. Love it, love it. All right, before you go, just plug, you know, let everyone know where they can see you, read you, hear you, everything else like that. Absolutely. So I'm Jeff Greenwood. You can find me on Twitter at the Fantasy Eng. I write for the Fantasy Footballers. I do a, a trade article in season, and I uh, like to have a little bit of fun. As Pat mentioned, I do Tackle Dummies Pod with a buddy I went to college with, a good friend, and we just kind of, you know, joke around, have some fun, and uh, shoot the shit. So find me there. And uh, again, thanks for having me on, guys. It was a blast. It's good stuff. Come on, farms. Come through with that money yet, or what? Not yet, but I, I, I did make a deal. So my my guy, Pat Ricard. Uh, fullback for the Ravens. I, I talked to a little bit on the side and uh, I got him to commit. So if I get him a deal with Cumberland Farms, it's a two for one deal. So if oh, we yeah? can make that work, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to get in and I uh, oh, be so good. Uh, be so, come on, Cumbies, right come now. through. <laughs> All right. Go, Cumbies got to come through on that. The thing. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a great price. I'm, I'm always tweeting at them. They don't really know what to do. And uh, they don't know if I'm <laughs> kidding or not. I'm not kidding. I want to be sponsored by Cumberland Farms. Great coffee. Good deal. Good stuff. It's good stuff. Well, thanks, Jeff. We appreciate it, man. Have a uh, have a great night, and and thank you so much for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Absolutely thanks, glad it worked out, and uh, take care, guys. All right, thank see you. Ya. All right, that was solid. Good episode. Good episode. I'm gonna get out of here. Uh, Twenty nine, twenty seven, Pats. Ooh, me too. Close. And quick shout out to my cousin in the chat. Um, yep, see that. Also, can I look at this game this Saturday? I have to there. mention. I have to mention my uh, my students found out that I have a podcast. And now a bunch of them have subscribed to the YouTube and all this other stuff. And they're there we like, go. That's, so, like so, uh, we'll see. I got, we got some, we got some viewers tonight. So I'm like, Oh, maybe the, maybe the, uh, the, the kids are listening. Although at this point they're probably already checked out. Cause like who the hell, you know, they're eighth graders. Like who the hell cares about, you know, football, but you never know. Some of them might be here still. So, uh, you know, shout out, uh, shout out my, uh, my eighth grade B block students. If they're, uh, if they're out there. So, but anyways, yeah, math questions in the chat. Hey man, I might I might have to drop a dark blue gold. By the way, uh, Ryan Spagnoli, hold on, where is it? I gotta go. I gotta go find it. Where is it? Come on, come on. 
Sorry, this is just for the uh, there it is, just for the people, just for the people online right now. Uh, Ryan Spagnoli presented you by Toyota. Uh, I saw that. I didn't know what he was talking about, and then I saw. I was like, oh, that's funny. That was great. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyways, uh, thanks for coming through, guys. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, dude, I I have it. I have it high scoring too. By the way, I yeah. I'm thinking like 28, 24, 28, somewhere around there. You know, I I like that. Like you know, maybe like thirty. Maybe the Patriots crack thirty, but I think it's close. I think it's close. So. So we shall see. But anyways, thanks, guys. We appreciate it. And uh, and we'll talk to you next week.